Welcome back, guys, to the Full Privilege Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, Let me just get on into it and say that, again, I hope you guys are doing well. And uh, sorry about the, the missed day. Um, every once in a while, uh, and I'm not even using this as an excuse or anything, but every once in a while, I will wake up and then I will just completely forget that that was even record day, that a certain day was record day. It's like yesterday I woke up and actually completely forgot it was even a record day. And then later on, it was like bugging me and I'm like, I feel like today was record day. So I go to look and it was, I was like, I was like, damn. So apologize for that. But to get into the, but to get into the episode itself, I want you guys to make sure, or please make sure to go ahead and rate the podcast, both Google and Apple Podcasts. Again, let me know how well the episode was. You know, I you know I love that feedback. Um, I, I always leave my social medias so you guys can message me on there and tell me how it was and let me know how it was. You know what you guys want to see different, what you guys want to see more of, that kind of stuff, and then. Make sure to go to anchor.fm slash slash full court blitz. Again, anchor.fm slash full court blitz. Make sure to go to that website and to hit the follow button so you guys don't miss out on any new content for this offseason. So if you guys don't want to miss out on anything this offseason, you guys want to hear all the news, make sure to go to anchor.fm slash full court blitz and I'll get you guys the information as soon as it comes out. You guys will not miss an episode. And then you guys can stay up to date. So it's a good way to do it. You won't be disappointed. And uh, but anyway, let's get into today's episode because this is a long one. This is gonna be I haven't had this type of episode in a while, so this is gonna be it's gonna be a good one. So to start it off. Alright, to start it off. And this, we are already starting out with bangers, guys. We are already starting out with a banger. So, I, for a long episode, I don't know what could be better to talk about than starting out talking about ex Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem Griffin visiting the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so, ooh, now I started thinking about it. I'm like, Shaquem Griffin. It sucks that he's not a Seahawk anymore, but then I look. I read it, I read it a little bit better. Visiting the Miami Dolphins. I hope he doesn't sign there because he is a scary guy. And to have to face him twice a year would be a pain in the ass. But anyway, ex-Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffin visiting Miami on Friday as training camp approaches. Tom Pelosero of NFL Network has reported it is he is a fifth-round selection, as you guys remember, out of the 2018 draft. Appeared just 46 games for the Seahawks, registering one sack, six quarterback hits, and 25 tackles. Also adding a sack to the 2019 playoffs, if you guys remember that one. Was now released after uh, – blah, 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 I can't speak. 26-year-old was released after three seasons with the Seahawks. So to this point, there has been multiple teams – trying to get with, you know, trying to get Griffin on their team. 
out of the course of the 21 offseason, but heading to Florida would be an intriguing fit for Griffin as he has a pass rushing ability that would be welcomed by the Miami Dolphins, obviously after the release of Kyle Van Noy because of um, salary cap reasons. Obviously, it wasn't a move that they wanted to make because, you know, everyone was kind of shocked about it. Kind of came out of the middle of nowhere, and a lot of a lot of teams had that problem. But yeah, so not only adding depth would it help would Griffin help with, but it would also help bring competition by a young unit of pass rushers that the Miami Dolphins seem to have at this very moment in time. Um, yeah, they have a you know, and I think that's like one of the the best things about that Miami. The, one of the well, not even best. I would say one of the more how would I want to describe this. It's one of the most intriguing, one of the most interesting defenses in the league because they're showing elite talent for a very, very young core. Like, hold on. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, so for a very, very young core, they're showing an elite talent that you don't usually see. Uh, normally, it, it's a type of talent that you see. It's so like whenever I think of the Patriots, right? I always think of New England because, and this is where, and this is like a good, perfect example. The young elite talent that there's, that the Miami Dolphins defensive unit is showing, it almost reminds me of a, of a veteran-filled Patriots defensive unit. Like, that's the type of, and sure, it's probably not like that top-notch, but... To use that as an example is a good fit because that's the type of talent that they show. And it's incredible to see out of a young talent like that, out of a young talented defensive core, to be able to to be able to compare them to an elite veteran defense. And it's just it's crazy to think that you can actually compare that and it be somewhat close. Uh it, it's just and adding Shaquem Griffin would be just they would, they would blow them out of the water. I mean, I, I wouldn't even adding Shaquem Griffin for the Dolphins. I feel like would be like when the Seahawks brought in Jamal Adams from the Jets. Like that's kind of what I compare here. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't not thinking about it straight from the top of my head, but I guess I don't know the closeness in numbers that would bring. But I would assume it would be pretty damn close um, to a comparison, a good comparison anyway. But, yeah, so I, I really don't think losing Kyle Van Noy, I, I really don't think that that's going to affect them too much. But that's definitely going to play a role in whether or not they they take Shaquem Griffin or not. Uh, he's definitely someone to continue to watch. Oh, and by the way, the Dolphins are starting training camp on July 27th. So the same with the Patriots. But yeah, so let me know what you guys think about Shaquem Griffin. Let me know if you guys think this is a good fit. Let me know where you guys would like to see him go. Let me know if it's a good move overall. Next year, I, I didn't really know if I should bring this in or not, but I, I just said screw it and did. So after just recently visiting the White House on Tuesday, the Buccaneers have gotten their Super Bowl 55 rings in a private ceremony, obviously because although there's still COVID, they don't want to do anything crazy. 
Um, but again, so after the uh, White House visit on Tuesday, the Bucks received their Super Bowl 55 rings at a private ceremony at a Florida Credit Union amphitheater located roughly 15 minutes away from Raymond James Stadium. So according from the official website, the encrusted ring, diamond encrusted ring, is a twist off top and with the stadium where the game was held and its design. Considering the team that emerged triumphant on February 7th, obviously the Bucks in their own stadium. So the details of the of the ring including includes an eight emerald cut diamond on each side in honor of the eight-game winning streak that led to the Super Bowl win. Tampa's mantra under Coach Bruce Arians, one team, one cause, and 319 diamonds on the exterior top, which, of course, represent their 31-9 win over the Chiefs. Below are more incredible shots of the ring as well as okay. Well, you guys aren't going to be able to see these, but I, I will always have them. I always have articles linked down below in the description. So, of course, you guys can check it out for yourself and you see exactly what I'm seeing. There's just a whole bunch of videos and pictures posted by the players on the teams and the Buccaneers. Um, in the Buccaneers uh, official Twitter account. It wasn't anything crazy when I brought this up. I just decided to. Anyway. So, getting into more serious stuff. Well, I guess not serious. Well, not really serious, but... Well, yeah, it is. Getting back into the news, I guess is what I should say. So, this is a little bit scary. Uh, the Giants are kind of doing with a little bit of injury injuries. I, I hope it gets cleaned up soon. But running backs Saquon Barkley and tight end Kyle Rudolph have been listed to begin training camp on the physically unable to perform list, a.k.a. the PUP list. I don't really know what happened. It just kind of came up. Okay, so for Saquon Barkley, they're continuing to rehab on the knee surgery. Okay. So that's what his is about. I don't know what Kyle Rudolph's. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what Kyle Rudolph's is about. But anyway, so running back Saquon Barkley and tight end Kyle Rudolph received the designation on Thursday, along with Jonathan Harrison, tackle Mike Matt Matt Pert, linebacker O'Shan Simmons, and rookie corner Aaron Robinson. For Saquon Barkley, starting it off, it's the torn ACL that he got in Week Two. Stated recently as Monday that it's still unclear when he'll be able to be cleared to practice again. So that's a, it's a little bit discouraging to hear for sure because it was sounding good earlier. Sounding like a little setback right now. Uh, I wouldn't even say setback. I would, you know, that stuff is just hard to, it takes a long time to get back. But there is, okay. And then for Kyle Rudolph, it's out of an abundance of caution. Shared at the beginning, Kyle Rudolph shared at the beginning of the month that he, quote, won't miss any football as he recovered from a foot injury. Okay, so this is coming from a foot injury then. So according to Article 21, Section 6 of the CBA Collective Bargaining Agreement, 
Injured players that ended 2020 on any type of injury-related reserve list may be required to report up to camp no earlier than five days immediately prior to the mandatory reporting date for all the, for all other veteran players, July 27th, provided that camp has already commenced for rookies. Health updates for both Barkley and Rudolph will be items to keep a close. Yeah, for sure. It'll be something to keep an eye on, kind of closely monitor, kind of see where this leads, see where this takes, this type of thing. Um, I would like to say Saquon Barkley. I honestly, I think Kyle Rudolph will be back before Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley just seems like it's still a little bit away from recovering. And I think most likely to come back first will be Kyle Rudolph. But don't bet me on that. It's hard to say. I mean, it could be more serious than we think. Who really knows? But we will find out, I guess, soon. Hopefully soon. And then, yeah, to continue that serious, physically unable, unable to perform list, Stefan Gilmore has been reported, has reported a Patriots training camp, or a Patriots camp, but was placed on the PUP list, physically unable to perform. Stephon Gilmore continued with that discontent of his contract. With that in mind, has decided to come to camp ahead of the team's official report date of July 27th. He was among the veterans to arrive. Uh, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport and NFL Network's Mike Garofolo have reported on this, as well as Mike Giardi of NFL Network as well. Reported that he'll, that Stefan Gilmore will begin camp on the physically unable to perform list with a quadriceps injury that landed him on injured reserve near the end of the 2020 season. So a little something that's still bothering him a little bit. And according to the CBA, again, I kind of just went over that. Or wait. Okay, yeah, not earlier than five days. I already talked about that. You guys already heard that. So going into Gilmore's season, ended the 2020 season with DPA honors, Defensive Player of the Year honors in 2019 after trying, after tying for the league's lead in receptions with interceptions with six. Didn't quite enjoy the same success in 2020 before suffering his season-ending quad injury. All season's been filled with rumblings of his displeasure with this contract. Currently scheduled to pay him $7.7 million and account for $16.2 million of New England's cap space. $7.7 million is still good money. If you're going to be considered to be the best corner in the league, though, you need a lot more. And he obviously deserves more. And, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Rams corner Jalen Ramsey – is getting twenty million. So you figure around 17, 15, 16, 17 ish area will probably be good. He may want more though. I don't really know. It really just depends on what he wants. But although he's worried about his contract, you know, 
and he seems to be, although there's been rumblings about his contract, it sounds like Gilmore and a lot of us have heard that New England's working on something for him. So I hope that, you know, it gets done. And it sounds like there might be something because I don't think he would have, he would, unless you just thought that, you know, skipping like he already has is a dumb idea and he shouldn't do that. It was just did it out of frustration. And maybe he learned from that. I don't know. But anyway, next thing here. Now, this is actually a big one I was waiting to cover. I was so happy when I got to it now. Um, I'm excited to be able to cover this one. I, I was excited the whole time. I'm like, I can't wait to get to this one because this is gonna. This is exciting. So the NFL is partnering with Hawkeye Innovations to improve the replay, to improve replay in in games. So as the, as the NFL is consistently looking to improve its product every offseason, I applaud the NFL for that. Every offseason, they seem to go into it with – they seem to go into an offseason, and it always seems to lead to replay. There always seems to be a change to replay. And we're taking another step in, in the right direction in regards to replay reviews. The league has approved rules earlier this offseason that will increase communication between on-field officials. And I'm pretty sure I covered this on the pod already. I remember when it came out. I remember talking about this. But it will increase the communication between on-field officials, replay officials, and the officiating department in New York. Now it's taking an additional step to make its review process more effective. As the league is going to partner with Hawkeye Innovations, it will improve replay procedures per Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports first reported the news. So... As far as providing visual tracking aids for tennis matches, that's what Hawkeye is kind of best known for. Will help quickly determine whether the a ball is in or out of bounds. The company won't be doing something similar for the NFL. The company won't be doing something similar for the NFL, but will be providing the league with camera systems that will offer additional angles for more accurate replay review. In theory. It'll mean that a higher chance of finding the most optimal view of, to properly judge a play upon review. This is important for accuracy purposes, and while on its surface, one might interpret more camera angles. So essentially what it wants is it's trying to come up with a faster way to have an optimal, more in-depth approach to angles and in or out of bounds or not and, and figuring that out at a quicker pace. So, like, as it is right now, to be able to get an accurate angling and to be able to get an accurate position on whether he, a guy was in or out of bounds, it takes about – they take, like, two or three minutes. Maybe a little bit less. I don't know. But it still has, like, a delay. Like, they'll come to the game and then they'll just put it back on commercial, right? And it'll probably span about two minutes. Two or – you know, about two to three minutes, yeah. Well, now they're trying to have it where it speeds that up, where they can have a more in-depth look at it at a quicker pace. So that way they get a more in-depth look at a certain angle at a faster pace to get it up, to get the game moving faster because it can cause delays in other programs after a game. 
and it can just screw up a whole, um, you know, station that a game is being played on. So, and cause a lot of TV delays. So, this is a good, you know, this is fantastic. I love this. But yeah, so it's a, it's supposed to. Well, this is what Mike Gar- Okay, so Mike Garofolo dur- said during a Thursday's edition of NFL Now, this is what he had to say about it, saying, "quote The replay official now has more than has now now has more that he can do as far as how he can review the play as it goes along. This is all about having the comforts of replay, but also doing it as quickly as possible. So that's what this partnership is with Hawkeye. Do not expect anything that you're going to see on the broadcast." It's all for internal use, but all to allow the NFL to keep the game moving while also reviewing things as well as they possibly can, end quote. And so, yeah, I think that it's a great idea. Obviously, it's not something like he said. It's not something we're going to really tell, like we're going to be able to really see. It's just meant to speed it up. You know, it's something – it's like a program that they'll be able to use on, like, their – you know, league-issued laptops or computers for games and whatever they use and, and, you know, get it into the Windows Surface, you know, tablets for games. And so, yeah. Uh, Next thing here, though, is... Hold on. Next thing here is rookie wide receiver Kadarius Tony of the New York Giants has been replaced has been placed on the reserve COVID list. I haven't heard anyone go on that list, and I guess we recently did. So number twenty pick in the twenty one draft for the Giants wide receiver Kadarius Tony has been placed on the reserve COVID list as a result of a positive test. So sometimes it's just because of contact tracing. He's actually got COVID. Uh, reported by T- NFL Network's Tom Pelissero via the league's transaction wire, makes Tony among the first known player positives of the 21 season. Officially, this is coming after one day the New York rookies reported Tony's following a league protocols by isolating and participating in meetings and remotely. Tony was the fourth wideout to come off the board this past April following an all-SEC first-team campaign with Florida in 2020. First-round investment was betrayed by offseason additions of Kenny Galladay and tight, end, and tight end Kyle Rudolph, ahead of what figures to be a make-or-break season for third-year quarterback Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley also placed on the PUP list. I talked about that. Didn't know when he'd be able to practice. Now they've announced running back Mike Weber and defensive back Jordan Peters as a signing. Um, Excuse me. I would talk about other news that the league is tracking on Thursday, but we have a lot of other stuff to get. I guess I could talk about a couple of the things. I won't get into all of it because there's a lot here. I guess I could talk about a little, a couple of things. Rams have now agreed to terms with third-round linebacker Ernest Jones. Cowboys place wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, that's all I'm going to get into. Okay. 
Next thing here is, okay, so this is a little something that, you know, we could spend a little time talking about. So the NFL has now officially informed clubs in through a via a memo to all the clubs. And it's been already said that the league is going to be really trying to push the COVID-19 vaccinations, you know, to the players that are unvaccinated. And it, it, it stands true. It, they, they have continued to do that, and it continues here, as cl- clubs with COVID-19 outbreaks among unvaccinated players could lead to forfeited games. So they're really trying to push vaccines and think, okay, well, if we do this, maybe it'll make team you know players question it and just get vaccinated. Because obviously they can't force it. They can't force a player to get the vaccine, but they can do all they can to try to convince them to. It never said anything about not convincing. So I'm, I'm, I think that it's, I think that they got to be careful. Um, the league's got to be careful how much they push these guys. But, you know, I think that, you know, you want to get over this as soon as possible to get back to normal. This is the way. But says we continue to approach the 21 season. The league has informed clubs that it would not be that it would not extend the season to accommodate a COVID-19 outbreak among unvaccinated players that causes a game cancellation. Tom Pelosi reported Thursday that the NFL sent a memo to its club stating that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week schedule, it will among and it causes a COVID-19 outbreak among those unvaccinated. It will it'll force the team into a forfeit of a game and it will be credited with a loss. So it could really hurt a team. It could really hurt a team. In addition, players on both teams will not be paid for the lost contest, and the team responsible for the canceled game due to unvaccinated players will cover financial losses and be subject to potential discipline from the commissioner's office. Last year, the, the league really bent backwards because of outbreaks, but we also didn't have a vaccine last season, as we do now. But zero games were missed over 17 weeks. There were just some rescheduled. In 2021, the plans to play its 272-game slate over 18 weeks is what they're trying to do. Quote, we do not anticipate adding a 19th week, end quote, to accommodate games that cannot be rescheduled. And that was highlighted portion, I believe, by the commissioner. It's the clearest line. The clearest line in the NFL is drawn to date, and the most substantial incentive yet for owners, teams, and coaches to pressure players to get vaccinated. The league has insisted it will not mandate vaccines, but the restrictions in place for non-vaccinated players and potential penalties to teams. It's it's gotten. They've definitely added. So not only do players that are unvaccinated have the same restrictions as they did in 2020 but they actually have more now like there's actually added there's actually added you know um like there's actual like there's actually like additional like newly added for the 2021 season um you know issues for not becoming vaccinated like, so everything from 2020, all the unvaccinated players have to follow, plus whatever the league just recently set in play 
for the 21 season. There's a couple of new things already. So they have to follow all of that. And so they're really trying to push it because there's not an excuse to not be vaccinated this time around and for outbreaks. So they're, you know, they're really trying to move away from this stuff. But this article is really long. Uh, it would take forever to get through this. I think I kind of covered all the main stuff, though. They're just kind of getting into last season and then this season. Judy Batista of NFL Network reported that with reported that players beginning to report for camps, progress on vaccinations has increased. More than 78% of players league-wide have had at least one shot, and 14 clubs have had at least 85% of players vaccinated. Pelo Cerro reported that all 32 teams have at least 50% vaccination rate among players. But anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this segment of the episode. I have a 30-minute timer on these episodes, so I have to end it soon, and we will come back and we'll finish this you know, episode out. But yeah, so we'll be back. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. So we just got done talking about the NFL's push to get players vaccinated and kind of the consequences that are going to go with it. Um, but yeah, so let me know what you guys think about the league doing this and let me know what you guys think about this push that the league is trying to do to get all the players vaccinated. Let me know. You know, so let me know your guys' thoughts and let me know if you guys would play Here's a question for you. Let me know if you guys would play. So if you guys were in the NFL, let me know if you guys would play. If you guys were, if you guys, and you guys didn't want to get vaccinated, let me know if you guys would play a season under all of the unva- un, under all of the unvaccinated players, unvaccinated players, um, kind of restrictions. Would you play based on everything that you heard about it? Let me know. Oh, this damn chair keeps squeaking. Anyway, next thing here, first thing here off the break is Amari Cooper with an ankle injury and Demarcus Lawrence with his back are among Cowboys also starting camp on the physically unable to perform list. So a couple teams with this problem right now. But so the Cowboys reported to camp earlier than any other team, not named the Steelers this week, and they won't have a few contributors available right away. With receiver Amari Cooper, an ankle, defensive end Demarcus Lawrence back, defensive tackle Tristan Hill, knee and kicker Greg Zerline back, are on the physically unable to perform list open on open, open training camp. Defensive lineman Ricky Chauncey Goldston, hamstring and offensive lineman Mitch Hyatt, knee, are also starting camp on the physically unable to perform list. While wide receiver Wide receiver TJ Voucher knee is on the active non-football injury list. Cooper appeared in all 16 games last season for Dallas, posting his second straight 1,100-plus 1, 1, yard season for the Cowboys. Missed just three games in his entire career, but has been expected, but has been expected to miss the start of camp since early July when Coach Mike McCarthy addressed the ankle with reporters. Began experiencing irritation in his ankle in late June, which kept him from being able to return 
which kept them from able to run and required rest. Inability to participate is related to a concern without being able to run. Lawrence has had back issues dating back to 2015, which required surgery in early 2016. Hasn't missed a game in the last four years. Zerline has his own history of back issues, which landed him on the injured reserve in 17. While with the Rams, Zerline missed five games in the following season, but has appeared in every contest from 19 to 2020. So just a little something to kind of continue to monitor as we kind of go throughout and get approach, you know, on the, on getting closer to that approach to the 2021 season. Next thing here is Steelers linebacker Vince Williams has announced his retirement after eight years. So Kevin Colbert, man, general manager and vice president of the Steelers, this is what he had to say, quote, Vince Williams notified us today that he will retire from the game of football. We respect his decision and want to thank him for his time with us as he consistently showed great character and leadership in addition to his contributions on the field. We wish Vince and his family all the best. End quote. So Vince Williams playing all eight of his seasons in Pittsburgh after being selected in the sixth round of the 13 draft with in 121 regular season games, which is 69 starts. Williams compiled 479 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, two picks, and one defensive touchdown over the course of his career. Just 10 players from his 2013 draft class played in more games than Williams, who emerged as a team leader in Pittsburgh. Now 31 years old, retires off of one of his more productive seasons in 2020, played 14 games and registering 70 tackles, three sacks and 14 tackles for a loss, which according to the league's statistics, it is the fifth best in the league, announced his retirement comes one day ahead of when the Steelers officially report to training camp for 2021. So had he not chose to retire this season, he would be reporting tomorrow. Or he would be reporting the very next day for training camp. Good luck, Vince Williams, in retirement, and I wish you all the best in your in future endeavors in life. But next thing here is the Jets have signed wide receiver Elijah Moore to his rookie contract. So New England has officially, okay, so I don't know why they're talking about New England. But New England has officially signed its entire 21 draft classes training camp nears. Oh, yeah, so this is actually good that it added this because I wasn't able to find an article on him. But second-round defensive tackle Christian Barmore has signed his rookie contract with New England via Ian Rappaport. Team has confirmed the signing. Patriots traded up in the draft to select Barmore with the 38th overall pick. Teammate of the Patriots first-round pick, Mac Jones at Alabama, awarded defensive MVP honors in the years in this year's college football national championship. New England is set to begin camp on July 28th. But yeah, so there's nothing on the Elijah Moore. Signing, it's all just about signing Cart Christian Barnmore. But anyway, the very last thing in today's episode is the San Francisco 49ers signing of all-pro linebacker Fred Warner to a record five-year extension. So Fred Warner 
and the Niners have agreed to a five-year extension with the, again, with the 49ers. Mike Garofalo of NFL Network has reported the extension is worth more than $95 million with $40.5 million in guaranteed money per Garofalo, per Garofalo making Warner the highest paid inside linebacker in the league. The Niners have since confirmed the extension. This is what general manager John Lynch had to say in a statement. Quote, we're extremely excited to have completed a long-term contract extension with Fred prior prior to the start of training camp. Fred brings the type of leadership and energy every day that our defense and team feeds off. He earned this extension through hard work, discipline, and the professional way he goes about his business. We look forward to watching him continue to play at an elite level for us well into the future. Now it's time to go to work. End quote. So, it's an expected contract, none, you know, that Fred Warner just received, especially after making his first Pro Bowl and all Pro Bowl and all Pro team in 2020. Kyle Shannon said in May an extension was simply, quote, a matter of time, end quote, which I remember that him being said. I remember that being said. More importantly, though, Warner said Warner is a guy that I've that is a Warner is a quote a guy that I plan on being here forever and who has earned that end quote. So there's a lot of mutual respect for Fred Warner and the, within the organization, uh, clearly uh, showing, you know, hence this contract. But um, yeah, it's obviously something that was deserved after the season and he obviously earned it. But so those who disagree with such a lavish contract likely haven't been watching the 49ers much in the last year or so. Warner has had the 49ers in tackles. Warner has led the 49ers in tackles in each of his three professional seasons and has an average of 122 tackles per season. Finished with the highest pro football focus grade of anyone in the league at his position at his position in 2020. They did not release that number. But Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode of the Four Quiblet Sports Show. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a long one indeed, so I really hope you guys enjoyed nonetheless. I know that those longer ones are always kind of better because it's, like, it's kind of what a podcast is. It's a longer, it's a long episode, essentially, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, make sure to rate the podcast on both Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as letting me know how well the episode was. Um, and also make sure to go to anchor.fm slash full court blitz again, anchor.fm slash full court blitz. So you guys never miss an upload and you guys can stay up to date on the most recent NFL news coming in this off season, because we still have a lot to cover. Um, we're still going to have a lot to cover until the league, you know, until the, the, the season's officially underway. And if you guys get bored of the content, you guys can always unfollow. But if, again, so that way you guys can stay up to date on the off season. Make sure to hit the follow button so you stay notified. And then you can unfollow if you guys want at any point. But again, guys, that's today's episode. Again, I really hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you guys next time. <laughs>